All right, welcome into the Week 7 edition, NFL Week 7 edition of the Fezzik Focus Podcast. I am your host, A.J. Hoffman, joined, as always, by the man whose name is on this podcast, the only two-time Super Contest champion, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Steve, how are we, man? I am exceptional, A.J. I'm ready to fire with a Fez tail. All right, let's talk. I, I know what you're going to go with here. I'm excited to hear this. Normally, three-card poker, not a game that I'm looking to play, but I'm interested in your angle on this. Yeah, so now James Grossjean wrote a book, Beyond Counting, that you can can be yours for a mere $1,000 on eBay, or you can make friends with me and Xerox my copy. But he talks about how every game is beatable if you look hard enough. So three-card poker is a great example. It's a carnival game. You get dealt three cards. The dealer gets dealt three cards. If you want the full skinny on how the game is played, you can look it up on the internet. Bottom line is, it's no card counting. You can't beat it. The house has just under a 3% edge. And you play if you have queen, six, four, or higher. Otherwise, you fold your three cards. It's you against the dealer. However, everything changes if you can see one of the three dealer cards. And although blackjack dealers in the past had been very much um, uh, trained properly to not expose their whole card, Three card whole three card poker dealers had not. The feeling was, well, no one can beat this game, so we'll put our most novice, inexperienced dealers on this. It's really easy to deal, and the payouts are simple. And the dealers would occasionally flash one of their cards, and some dealers would always flash their bottom card when taking out of the, out of the automatic shuffler. So I knew guys, including one advantage player named Derek, that literally had a database of dealers. This is back in like. 15 years ago in the mid 2000s, he'd show me, he's like, oh, you know, Sammy's coming on at Sam's town at midnight and Sammy flashes 100%. Well, seeing that card gave the player a 3% advantage. So it shows how you can skin the cat in different ways in terms of finding ways to beat the casinos, beat the sports books and the like. The bottom line is, and, and AJ knows this all the time, I'm like, the time to bet and make money betting sports is not 10 minutes before the game start at the sharpest book in the world where all the numbers are correct. The time to win is to play derivative markets, play early line openers, play the three-card poker where the dealer is flashing their whole card. Find something that gives you a clear advantage that um, other people are not doing and take advantage of it. So speaking of this, let's let, that'll move us into the focus pod where – season win totals for the NBA. The NBA season tipped off this week. Uh, if you're looking to play, I, I actually played one season win total this year and I played the Cavaliers over and I happened to play that before they traded for Donovan Mitchell. So I feel like I'm in a good spot, even though I'm still like panicking after they lost game one last night. But if you're waiting until the day before tip off, you're too late to the party. Unless you're playing against a donkey book. So I noticed a change this year. And I wonder if it's just the NBA starting so early. It would not be unusual that I would see in prior years, the Lakers at sharp books would be 53. And they might be 55 at a place like a, a win or a station because, frankly, the pros don't want to tie up their money for nine months. They're not paying a lot of attention. And the public, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm going to bet on the Lakers. That didn't happen this year at all. I think it might be the season starting so early this year. Everyone was dealing the same numbers. So think about this. I can't get any rogue numbers. I tie up my money for nine months. It's just like, it's a horrendous, you know, investment because 
let's say I can find by some miracle, I find a 55% bet. Well, now I don't get paid until April. I should be able to find a 55% bet on some prop and put myself in action um, and get paid the next day or this weekend and not tie up my money for that entire time. Further, the um, when you're working with other people, it's like easy for me to say, hey, I got a friend in North Dakota, get me down on something. The accounting's easy, it's clean, as opposed to like, oh, get me down on an NBA future and then I'm gonna try to have to collect the money in June when who knows, he might be in South Carolina by then in Hilton Head, out of touch. Well, let's talk about this then. Tell me the difference between tying up your money in MLB futures versus NBA futures, because I think with MLB futures, because of the time of the year, because you don't, you're not neck deep in football, you're like, oh, I can I can work with this. Whereas the NBA, now it's such a busy time of year, football's in full throw, you're not looking for to tie any money up going forward. You're, you're about to get that MLB money back. Why tie up money now? Yeah, it's a great point because in April, I'm a wash in cash. You know, I've, I've, the NBA season's ending, so I'm getting money back from, from, from any, any wagers I placed over the course of the season in the NBA. And I do place NBA season win bets. I just do it mid-year. I do it during the year when there's like a, a much shorter time period. And so I'm, I'm always sitting on extra cash, not realizing I'm going to run out at the end of August. Okay. But, but then, but then I'm close to the finish line, right? Baseball ends first week of October. So it's like a six week bridge I need. Um, so frankly, I probably bet too many MLB season wins because I'm sitting at that point, money sitting in my safe deposit box, ready to be invested. And I don't have the situation where there's so many good bets, literally that I can make on various things. Um, but inevitably I probably should just hold, hold it back because there's always an equivalent football bet that's every bit as good come week one, week two, that um, I wind up betting a little bit less on because I'm tying up all my money. It, frankly, it's just a, a part of it's an ego thing. It's like you, you walk in and you see like two key guys get hurt for a team and the market's not adjusting for it at one book at MLB. And you're like, it's such a dumb line. The book should be penalized. I got to bet that and to get down. But more and more, my evolution has been tried not to bet season wins before the season starts wait, look to bet after the season starts. Example, um, right now you can bet um, uh, Carolina. You could, Last week you bet under five and a half. You can bet under four and a half. Carolina's not going to Carolina win. football. Yes. Carolina's not going to win five games. They're not going to win. Uh, they're going to win three games this year. That's a great wager. You can bet Carolina not to make the playoffs, minus 1,600. That is literally a, a certificate of deposit that is paying 6%. Uh, over a 10-week period. It, 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 it's a guarantee. Carolina's not making the playoffs. Um, you play Seattle over six wins. They got to go two and nine to beat you. The Seattle Seahawks, playing much better than expected. Pre-flop, before the season started, they're over under five and a half. Now it's six. They're like light years better than we expected, and they're already three and three. You get the idea. Those bets, midstream during the season, you can almost always find something way, way better than you could find before the season starts. All right, let's talk about these contests that are going. And I know you are still alive in several contests. Let's uh, let's update the people with where we are on on some of these. Let's start. Let's start with Circus Survivor, which you said it, not as uh, not as great of a game to play because there isn't an, an overlay like there was in Millions. But you still have a team alive in Survivor. Not a lot of people can say that at this point. 
Yeah, so I have a one, I had two entries with my buddy uh, Napa Mike, and one of them's alive. I'm a survivor, so I'm excited that you know we've got equity of like eighteen thousand dollars worth because ninety four percent of the people have been eliminated. There's a little over three hundred left, and frankly, I got to tell you, this, the strategy in Circus Survivor, many advocate you know mapping out the entire season and and planning ahead for all the various weeks. But the, the, the field I'm playing against it is so lacking in understanding. I mean, 44 people have failed to put in picks. So they, they've been eliminated because they didn't show up for the red light, green light game and just got shot. Um, people take underdogs. People do crazy things. They play both sides of games because they have multiple entries. I'm not going to go through a, a diatribe about why all this is so grossly wrong. But just the bottom line is you really want to play one of the three biggest favorites each week, more often than not. And it's that basic strategy is enough to give you a big advantage over people who are too cool for school and are playing this this tremendous like like crazy strategy where they think I'm going to take a 48 percent team this week and Fez is going to take an 83 percent team. But I'm set up to do better later on. You know what? Later on. Good luck if you think I'm going to be playing something that's 30 percent less than you. You might have a 75 percent play in the bank coming and I'm going to have to take a 63 percent bet but you're not going to make up a 30% deficiency early with a later week where you're in better shape. If this season hadn't been such of a bloodbath, would long-term planning matter more? Because, But because so many people went out in the first three or four weeks, it almost seems like the smart play is to not worry about the future and just pl- play to survive the next week. Ideally, you do worry about the future and it becomes kind of a a rounding difference where you say, you know what, I'm going to take Jacksonville minus seven versus somebody else minus seven and a half because I'm giving up so little, although you you get eliminated when Jacksonville loses to Houston. Um, But, you know, it's only when it's a close call. It's only when you're picking like a a six point favorite versus a seven point favorite or or your selections. People are taking two point underdogs and eschewing on 11-point favorites. So when you've got that big of a disparity, you just simply can't be playing that way. And that, But for whatever reason, that's how a whole lot of the field actually does play. So I revert back to survive and advance, take the team that's most likely to win. And um, like I said, that's pretty much what Mike and I have done. And we're one of 330 people left. All right, let's talk about Circa Millions. Uh, I know you've got several entries. Let's talk about the best one and the worst one. I want to talk about like which one's gone wrong and which one's doing the best at this point. Yeah, so the importance, there, there are a lot of people submit the same five teams. They have multiple entries, and it really is a horrendous mistake because you want to have variance. You want to have disparity for quarterly prizes, for season-long prizes. And so I, my cards look different across the board. There was such a nice overlay in millions. I got to be honest, this contest stuff, people are like, how are you doing in the contest? I'm, like, I'm not sure. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm because I've got, my wife has one entry. She's 21, eight and one. That's the best that we have. My buddy, um, Jared, who's one of the greatest sports bettors in the world. He and I have three entries. I got to be honest. Big J is like done better than I have. We've got a 21 and we got a 20 and he's kind of driven this where I give him my input and then he makes the final call on those. We splitting those 50, 50. Um, I have uh, three entries. I think my best one is like 18 and a half. And I've got another one that's 19. I got one that's I think 15. Don't quote me on these. These could all be off by a couple games. 
the further I am out of the money, the less likely what I um, am estimating where I'm at to, to be true. But I, I do have a spreadsheet which shows the records on each and every one of them. But the, the ones, by example, to, to fast forward, I'm in the William Hill College Football Challenge with Mike, my buddy Mike. We have five entries. One entry is in ninth place. That one's doing really well. We have 31 points. You pick eight games per week. I'm really not sure how we're doing on the other four because the equity we, equity we have on the best entry is probably three times greater than the equity of the other four. I think the second best one might have 27 or 28 points. So it's still, yeah, it could get into the money, but it's so weighted towards the top three prizes that you really, um, if you look in terms of how valuable each each selection is, in Survivor, it's easy. Everyone's is worth close to the same. The ones who planned it out better have more equity, but it's not that much of a difference. Whereas in like in, in millions or in the Westgate, like in Westgate, I was doing, I was, I was doing great. And I had a one in four week last week. Ooh. So I had, I was at 18 and a half points through five weeks and now I'm at 19 and a half points, you know, through six weeks. So That's a massive that difference. Massive difference. So my equity in that just went from, if you said, how much is my thousand dollar entry worth? It was probably worth $4,000 last week. And now it's probably, you know, worth. 1600 based upon one, just one bad week. You can't go one and four more than once. You can only have one bad week over a uh, 17 week se- or an 18 week season, two bad weeks, and you're not going to be able to get into the top five. All right. Let me ask you now about my contest. I'm still alive in the last man standing college contest. Started with about 3,000 entries. Last week was down to 102. This week we're down to 40. I know you told me not to get too excited yet because it's not $5,000 worth of equity. It's one, one prize, hundred K for the winner. But for me, like this is, I mean, the money would be nice certainly, but I, I think it'd just be huge branding for me. I'd feel really good. It'd be like, it'd feel like an accomplishment more than anything. So like, as far as that, my, my emotional attachment to it, is it okay for me to be excited or should I just try and stay calm, temper expectations? You can get excited. It's fun to have a nice little run. You know, one thing about these contests, and this is like a little hidden secret, people aren't going to like this. It's not a handicapping contest. It's a betting contest. It's it. it and when I say that, um, like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about you, uh, you favored Kentucky against South Carolina and Kentucky lost. South Carolina lost their quarterback. No, Kentucky. Kentucky lost their quarterback. Line went from 10 down to four and a half. And at that point, you're like, well, I don't really want to play South Carolina plus a 10 up because everyone's going to play it. Agreed, everyone should play it, but everyone's a dumbo. Americans are losing 12% on average on their wagers in all these different states. That's what the hold is in places like New Hampshire, Montana, etc. People have no idea what they're doing. So people are entering a $25 contest. That's the entry fee in this. Of course, everyone should take South Carolina. Literally, 98% of the field should take South Carolina, and then you shouldn't take South Carolina because everyone's taking it. But I, I imagine probably only like 20% took South Carolina because people are like, well, no, this is my best bet. I really like this team. And they're like not even looking at where the value is across the board. So until that changes, and it won't change, I would just take the biggest you know line mover and put that into my entry um, smoke dope all week. Don't, don't handicap. Don't you dare handicap the card and put your three star down as your best bet. When the market lines eight everywhere and you're laying seven and a half or eight and a half, that's that, that play is garbage compared to taking Illinois plus six and a half. When 
Danny DeVito's back playing quarterback for Illinois. Yeah, the last two weeks, in fact, my play has been on a, a team that I already leaned or liked anyway, but the market pushed to where I was getting, I was on the right side of a key number. So uh, it, with the contest and both games I covered by a half point. So it, it, it is certainly important to, to keep an eye on that. Yeah. So TCU minus six and a half, two weeks ago, Oklahoma minus either the eight and a half or nine and a half this week. It, it was nine and a half this last week. So it, it, of course it landed 10 TCU minus six and a half. They win by seven. So just waiting on those key numbers, I think, is is a, a huge, huge advantage. All right. Talk about how you handle this time of year in particular, because NFL's going, college football's going, MLB playoffs are going, hockey's underway, NBA is underway. We're about to get into college basketball. How do you handle being someone who's involved in, in placing bets on all of these sports at once? You really need help. You need a network. I'll use an example. I'm betting a couple games right now, um, and AJ's observing it, and I'm just shooting them out. And I say, these are two good plays. They're weather-related. Get me down, you know, and, and trying to give my, uh, my network, you know, some guidelines on how to play them. I'm, like, reminding them, don't, you know, look. I like these unders. Look for the first half unders. Look for the team totals under. Play rogue numbers. Give me the best numbers you can because I'm scrambling to do the spot, frankly. This morning I'm driving. Um, I can't be getting on my apps. I don't have the screen in front of me. I'm flying blind. I would say you. I hate betting blind. I hate like I'm at a Arby's and all of a sudden information comes out. Of course, I'm not at an Arby's because I don't eat anymore, AJ. Um, and you know, trying to bet where you're just fumbling around, opening up apps and and, and looking at the numbers at the books that you have one after another is so darn inefficient. It is almost impossible to win. You really got to be in front of your computer with an odd screen that shows what the odds are at seven books to make sure, you know, what you're playing is at least as good, if not a half point better than market. And if you're not in that position, boy, if you can make friends, if you got a friend that's just hanging out and you know he's betting all day long and and just tell him, like, look, it, I'm going to send you plays. If you disagree, just book them. We'll go one on one. I mean, you can get, if you like the oppo side, why would you lay one minus one ten? Now you can get plus one ten. But um, but if you don't want to book it, just put. And I'm not saying someone has a gaming license. It's just between you and me. You know, guys make gentlemen bets. Gentlemen's wager, no, exactly. The you know, and and if the person you know agrees with the play, then 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 shop and get you the best number and he can get some down for himself. That networking, I got to tell you, I do this with a whole lot of people. And at the end of the year, it, it's pretty much re remarkable how often at the end of the year, it, it would not be unusual. Well, Fez, I made you 17,000. You made me 16,000. And our net difference is 1,000. You know, everybody wins. More volume on good bets. All right. Before we get out of here, of course, we're going to get out of here with a best bet. I'm going to give you guys a little coupon code. Help you out. If you want to go to pregame.com, get all that Fez has to offer. You can use the promo code RPO20. That's RPO20. 20 percent off any package at pregame.com that could be season long packages that could be a, a 90 day that could be a weekender whatever you're looking for you can get it at pregame.com with the promo code rpo20 you'll get it for 20 percent less so make sure you take advantage of that all right fez there's only one way to close this thing out give the people a best bet how can they make some money 
Yeah, let's go to NFL Week 9. Why not? Uh, look at lines. I don't know how many books have this up. It certainly is up at, at William Hill slash Caesars here in Nevada. Tampa Bay Rams total. You know, I think the perception is that Tampa Bay is still an over team amongst some. And that's no longer the case. You know, Brady has been struggling that Tampa Bay still has a good defense. The Rams most certainly coming into the year were thought to have a good offense and a good defense. Well, the defense is still good. The offense, other than Cooper Cup, has no options. I love that post-game interview um, or, or the interview they had with McVay. What about Cam Akers? And like, well, that's an internal issue. Uh, I, I can't really comment on that. You know, he didn't want to just say Cam Akers stinks. Sorry. Yeah, Cam Akers on pulling a Robbie Anderson. Apparently, bottom line, the Rams' offense sucks. Uh, we're going to go under forty-six. I played this under forty-seven. Full disclosure, but at forty-six, still a fine wager. Go under Week Nine, William Hill. Rams Tampa Bay under 46 for people who won't get it until after this week's game. Some, some books only put up their look ahead one week in advance. What's the, the cutoff before you say bad, bad. It all depends how the teams do this week. Okay. Every, everything too. I might like under 44 by next week. I might not like it at all. If, uh, if all of a sudden Tampa Bay goes no huddle this week, it is fluid. I hate to commit to anything, but right now your cutoff points 45 and a half under 45 and a half or lower. Good bet. All right. That is Steve Fezzik. I am AJ Hoffman. This is the Fezzik Focus Podcast. We thank you guys for taking part in it. We appreciate you guys listening and appreciate all the support we've gotten from you. 192 pounds this morning. Oh, uh, that's good. How many creamers are in that coffee? Two. Todd Wishnev, 198. Six game lead. All right. Two creamers. That's better. What did you have last week? Like 10? I don't want to talk about the past. I just want to focus on winning in the future. You're in trouble, Todd. Yeah, big T, you're in trouble. Yeah, Fez used to drink coffee. Like he'd put a drop of he'd put two uh, two drops of coffee in his cup of creamer. Now he's he's stepped up a little bit. That that the coffee should be no, it's still too light. It's still it's too, too mocha. It's too. All right, uh, but that'll do it. We thank you guys for listening, and of course, you can stay tuned right here on this feed. You're gonna get all kinds of great stuff uh, throughout the week. And just a personal plug: check out Straight Out of Vegas AM. It's on a separate feed, its own feed. Straight Out of Vegas AM. Please find it. Uh, Scott Seidenberg and I have been working hard on it. Steve joins twice a week. Uh, Go to AJ is the real on Twitter. AJ is at AJ is the real. And his pinned tweet is the link to the SOV AM shows. They're really exceptional. If you don't like them, well, you don't like ribeye steak. That's right. You're probably a filet man. And that that is a throwback to last night. Uh, All right. We will talk to you guys next week. Good luck.